Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Planning for Retirement podcast, where we help educate people on how retirement works. I'm Kevin Lau, your host. I'm also the lead financial planner at Imagine Financial Security. Imagine Financial Security is an independent financial planning and investment management firm based in Florida. However, this information is for educational purposes only and should not be used as investment legal or tax advice. This is episode 19, using tax loss harvesting to create tax-free retirement income. I hope you enjoy this episode, and if you like what you hear, leave us that five-star review and give us a follow. All right, so welcome everyone to part two of three of the series on how to reduce taxes in retirement. Uh, this one's super exciting, and it's a real-life case study from a new client we started working with beginning in 2022. Um, it's actually a, a fun one because in my initial discussions with this, um, at the time, prospective client, she was overall pretty satisfied with where things were. You know, we like I said, we started discussions in 2022, so the market was down pretty significantly. Uh, but she had a long-term relationship with an advisor at a, at a Wall Street firm, and you know the individual seemed to pay. You know the advisor seemed to pay pretty close attention to his clients. Gave her a call, I think, a couple times a quarter. Um, had a good, you know, good rapport with um, you know with this particular client. But upon reviewing her statement in the planning process, I noticed she had some some pretty significant unrealized losses in the portfolio in the amount of about ninety-five thousand dollars. And I had asked her, you know, if she had considered the idea of taking some of those losses or all of those losses uh, and reinvesting, also known as tax loss harvesting. Um, and her response initially was she didn't love the idea. She had heard of the concept, not from her advisor, but had heard from, you know, her circle of uh, uh, professionals. She's actually a CPA by trade. Um, and the reason she didn't love it is because she had this preconceived notion that you don't want to sell investments when they're down. Right, you want to be buying when they're down or buying low, and you want to be selling high. Right, that makes sense. Tax loss harvesting is counterintuitive, um, and so we're going to walk through this example here shortly, and you will then understand why she ended up uh, firing that advisor and working with our firm. But before we get into it, let's just talk a little bit about the basics of what tax loss harvesting is. You know, the first thing to to understand is that. Tax loss harvesting is done within a taxable brokerage account. You know, you can't do this inside of an IRA or a 401k because any transaction or trade that happens in those types of vehicles, they're not taxable, right? Um, you pay taxes for those traditional IRAs and 401ks when you take distributions out of the portfolio, not when you do, not when you place trades. Um, whereas taxable accounts, you receive a 1099 each year and you know, interest income is taxed at at, a, at your marginal rate. Um, uh, you know, qualified dividends, which are paid from most stocks, those are actually treated as as capital gains taxes, which is a which is a nice benefit to these taxable brokerage accounts. Um, you can invest in municipal bonds, which are tax free at the federal level. You know, and if you use your own state's muni bonds, you could also have uh, enjoy the state income tax-free as well for those muni uh, interest payments, which is nice. But uh, the important piece here is when you sell something within a taxable brokerage account, you're either going to have a gain or a loss. So if you have a gain, you're going to be paying taxes either at 0%, 15%, or 20%. Okay, there are actually there are different thresholds based on your, your total income. Um, and based on what your total income is, you either pay 0% capital gains tax, 15%, which is going to be the most, most of the taxpayers will pay 15%, 20%, 25%, 30%, 
or 20%, again, depending on what your total income is, okay? That is for long-term capital gains. Short-term capital gains are actually treated as ordinary income. And so we'll talk a little bit about how this all, you know, ties in together. But, um, you know, essentially, if you have a loss in your taxable brokerage account, you know, first of all, you know, we're probably in a, you know, uh, you're probably in a down market. Um, 2022, obviously, was one of the worst years we've had in a very, very long time, arguably since 08, 09. So if you had losses in the portfolio, they're just paper losses, right? If you look at your statement, you say, hey, you know, you paid, um, you know, $100,000 for an S&P 500 index fund. Now it's worth, you know, uh, $80,000. So you have a paper loss of, of $20,000, okay? So tax loss harvesting actually involves selling that investment and realizing the loss, okay? Um, now, going back to the concern from the client earlier that I mentioned, uh, who was at the time a prospective client, she was concerned, hey, you know, what if the market rebounds? You know, what if, uh, you know, what if things come back quickly? I don't want to be sitting on the sidelines, okay? Well, with tax loss harvesting, what you do is you actually sell the investment at a loss and turn around and reinvest it in a different investment that's not substantially identical, okay? Uh, and we're going to talk about why that's important. So, so by doing that, by investing in something that's substantially identical, you have very similar, if not identical, exposure into the uh, securities that you owned previously that you sold for a loss. Now you have a, have a recognized loss for tax purposes. But then you can turn around either the next minute, the next day, over a period of several days, whatever you're comfortable with, and turn around and reinvest those assets uh, or that cash now um, into a new security that's, again, not substantially identical. Okay, so what? why is that important? Why is um, substantially identical? Why is that an important term? Well, there's something called the wash sale rule, okay, that says if you, turn, if you sell something for a loss and you turn around and buy something that is substantially identical, that's a wash. You cannot recognize that loss for tax purposes. So obviously a really, really big deal. Um, you know, pretty clear if you sell that, um, let's say that S&P 500 index fund, let's say it was at Vanguard, and then you bought a different Vanguard S&P 500, but maybe it's an ETF instead of a mutual fund or something along those lines, that could be arguably a substantially identical, right? Um, if you sold Apple for a loss and you turned around and bought Apple the next day, that's, of course, that's the same security. That is, of course, that's substantially identical. So you have to wait 30 days. If you want to sell something that you own and then reinvest into that same security or that same basket of securities, you've got to wait at least 30 days to do so. Otherwise, this wash seal sale rule applies. Um, well, if you want to turn around and reinvest the next day or two or even um, uh, you know, a week or so or within 30 days, you need to buy something that's not substantially identical very, there's a lot of gray area here in this um, uh, in this provision in the tax code, but but generally what I've seen again, this is not tax advice per se, but generally what I've seen, if you if you uh, had that Fidelity S and P 500 index fund and you sold it, you can go out to Vanguard or T Rowe Price or Schwab and buy a large cap fund, and that would not be considered substantially identical, you know, different fund family, potentially a different makeup of whether it's active and passive management styles, you know, that's how you sort of get around that wash sale rule. But, you know, certainly consult with your advisor, your tax person 
to ensure you you do not um, or ensure that you do abide by this rule because it's super important uh, if you plan to turn around and invest those proceeds within 30 days, which most people would. You know, like you know, like my my client uh, was concerned with you know the run up in the market. That was a valid concern because at the time we were down 25 percent or so. You know, in the uh, you know in in looking at U.S. indices and. You know, she was kind of looking at the idea of, hey, what if things turn around pretty quickly? You know, and that was a um, a valid concern. So, what we did with her, um, you know, looking at her statement here, I'm actually going to pull pull up the example. So she had paid uh, again. This is not in her 401k, in her IRA, none of that. Okay, and we'll, we'll talk about how that sort of ties in. But within just her taxable brokerage account, she had paid about seven hundred eighty-eight thousand dollars. And some change, okay, uh, for a variety of investments within this taxable brokerage account, okay. And at the time when I met with her and, and reviewed the statement, she had a value in that portfolio of about six hundred ninety-three thousand dollars. So, like I mentioned earlier, there was an unrealized loss of ninety-five thousand dollars, okay, to be precise, ninety-five thousand two hundred nineteen dollars. So. What we did is once I walked her through why this makes sense and um, she was comfortable with the idea that we're actually going to turn around and reinvest the proceeds right away. She was comfortable with moving forward with the process. Um, so we sold all of her investments, um, again, at $693,000. So now we had a realized loss of $95,000. We turned around the next, you know, the preceding couple, you know, few days. It took a few days because some, you know, some of it were mutual funds. So it takes a couple of days to settle. But we rebalance her portfolio actually to a better, more diversified, more tax-efficient portfolio in with lower fees. So it was truly a win-win situation. You know, the, the investment she had, you know, like I said, it was one of the um, you know, the big wirehouses, and there were, you know, there were some really high cost, really tax inefficient investments in that portfolio. Um, you know, and, and that's another thing, just you know, sort of quickly, just a side note. Investments you own in these taxable brokerage accounts should not really look identical to investments you own in your 401k IRAs, uh, Roth IRAs, because again, those qualified plans have tax deferred or tax free treatment. So you can get fancy with different bonds that you own in there, or um, you know different uh, you know different mutual funds or ETFs that you own in there, because you're not concerned with getting any 1099s from your custodian until you actually take a distribution. So uh, th this concept is known as asset location. You know, a lot of people are familiar with the idea of asset allocation. Well, asset location is super important when you're designing portfolios. Not every account should look identical. In fact, you know, one of the things that you may look at is minimizing the amount of interest income you're earning on these taxable accounts, i.e. reducing your bond exposure and owning those bonds in your qualified accounts, like your IRAs and 401ks. Um, you know, again, the, the, the goal would be to have sort of like a broad target allocation between all of your accounts, and then each one is invested slightly differently depending on risk tolerance, depending on time horizon, and then most importantly, like we're talking about today, depending on tax profile of that account. All right, anyways. All right, so now we have this newly rebalanced portfolio that's actually more in line with her goals, more tax efficient, more diversified, more cost effective. But now we have this realized loss of $95,000, all right? So, so what we're doing for her is she has no capital gains, most likely in 2023, that we're going to need to 
to offset. Okay, and so that's the the, the one important uh, thing to note with with this now realized loss. You can either offset gains in the current year or in future years. Okay, and if there are no gains to offset, or perhaps you have a net loss, meaning you offset all your, all your gains and you still have this pool of losses. You can then deduct up to $3,000 of your losses against your income. And that's regardless if you're taking a standard deduction or itemizing, which is important because, you know, with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017 and the standard deduction doubling for taxpayers, most people are, are just simply taking the standard deduction. They don't have enough in itemized deductions to go that route. So regardless if you're itemizing or taking the standard deduction, you can offset up to $3,000 against income from these, uh, from these losses, which is kind of nice because otherwise, you know, these capital gains or capital losses, again, are treated as capital gains rates, which are lower than income rates. So, all right. So for her, you know, 2023, like I said, most likely unless things change, you know, things change, you know, we're not planning to sell anything. She's still going to work another couple of years. Um, so we're going to have $3,000 each year for the next couple of years to just simply deduct against her ordinary income. So that's kind of the first win from a tax perspective is using this, this carry forward loss to uh, reduce her ordinary income. Okay. But then really where this thing gets, gets really fun is once we start drawing from the portfolio. So she's going to retire in 65. She'll have eight years until she takes required minimum distributions. All right. Uh, RMDs or required minimum distributions are beginning date is 73. So we've got some time and what we're going to do is look at a Roth conversion strategy for her, but we're going to use this taxable account to generate cash flows to supplement other income sources that she's going to have. Okay. Um, and if we run some projections each year, so let's, let's say this first year, 2025, she retires and she needs, you know, an estimated $40,000 to supplement all of her other income sources you know, we project there might be a gain from that distribution of $3,000, okay? So $40,000 would be the total income received, but of that $40,000, she would have a gain of $3,000 embedded in there. Well, remember we have this $95,000 carry forward pool that we used a couple of times to offset uh, ordinary income. So now that's worth $89,000. Well, that $3,000, boom, no taxes on that because we had this carry forward loss pool of $89,000 that we're offsetting those gains. And then of course, now we have a net loss and we can use the $3,000 to deduct against ordinary income in that first year of retirement. So she pays no capital gains taxes and gets a $3,000 ordinary income tax deduction, year one, while she receives $40,000 of income. Year two, let's say we inflate that number, I don't know, let's call it 42,000 for simple math. And let's say that year she has a gain of 3,500 from that distribution. Well, the carry for pool we have starting in year two of retirement is $82,000. We offset that $3,500 gain, so she pays no capital gains taxes. And now we also have a $3,000 ordinary income uh, deduction because of the carry forward losses. And we're going to continue that for that first 10 years of retirement. So from 2025 to 2034, Adjusted for inflation, she would have received $490,000 of cash flows for income, okay, of which 100% of it was tax-free, assuming based on, you know, we can't, would have known as a crystal ball, you know, this portfolio could blow up in value and 
double or triple in the next few years. You know, not likely, but it could happen. But but based on our current projections with a reasonable growth rate, she would pay no taxes on those cash flows that first 10 years. And she would have deducted the maximum $3,000 each year against ordinary income because of the carry forward loss pool. So, oh, and at the end of the 10 years, she still has some carry forward losses set aside. I mean, we, we still have, you know, based on the model that we ran, she still has $12,000 of carry forward losses that we can use for future years. Okay. One just quick aside is that if you marry, if you're married filing separately, the maximum you can deduct is $1,500, not $3,000, just an FYI. But for single filers or married filing jointly, you're good to go with $3,000 as your, um, as your uh, maximum deduction. So look how powerful this is. When, when markets are, vol are volatile, you know, it's very natural for, for you to bury your head in the sand and maybe throw your statements away or you know, throw them in the fire pit. I had clients kind of joke about that last year as they were just... You know, they don't want to look at it. They, you know, said, is, you know, Kevin, this is why we're paying you. We don't want to deal with this stuff, right? So it's very natural to kind of bury your head in the sand. And, you know, for our clients, of course, we're just doing this on their behalf. I mean, you know, if they had losses, boom, we're going to just, you know, in, in, in the opportunity arose, we're going to use the tax loss harvesting strategy. And, and there was hundreds of thousands, if not, uh, frankly, millions of dollars that we, ought, that we used in, in losses, tax loss harvesting last year in 2022 and early in 2023, but the market's starting to recover a little bit, okay? Um, you know, so you've got to be opportunistic. You can't wait. You, you know, it's better to sell when the market, there's a lot of blood in the water, um, you know, because that's when you can maximize those, those paper losses, turn them into realized losses, and actually use this to your advantage for, for tax-free retirement income. Um, so if you miss the boat, you miss the boat. You can't go back and say, hey, I wish I would have sold that. I'm going to go back and try to realize some losses. No, 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 no. It's based on the current market value relative to what you paid. And so as the markets recover and get back up to those highs that we saw in 2021, you may not have this opportunity for another several years. Several years. You know, bear markets on average come every five years or so. And this is why it's also important to continuously add money to your brokerage accounts on a consistent basis. You know, don't just kind of set it and forget it and just let it ride uh, and try to time the market. Consistently add dollars to your portfolio because then there's more, um, there's a higher probability of you being able to take advantage of tax loss harvesting when markets are down, okay? You know, I, I reviewed several portfolios last year that were down year to date, but they had purchased these investments in 2012 or 2013. And of course, the market's net positive despite the downturn we saw in 2022. So they had no opportunity to tax loss harvest. So um, adding money to your portfolio on a consistent basis is key. Uh, being opportunistic. Don't be reactive on this one. Be proactive. Oh, and just another quick aside. On, on the, the wash sale rule, okay, the substantially identical security purchase within that 30 days doesn't just apply to that particular account. It can, in fact, apply to a 401k that you own or an IRA. So if you sold, um, you know, an S&P 500 index fund from Fidelity in your brokerage account and you're like, hey, I tax loss harvest and I, I, I didn't buy a substantially identical security in there. But let's say you had that exact investment in your 401k and all of a sudden that investment paid a dividend to you and you're set up to reinvest dividends automatically. Boom. 
that's a substantially identical security that you purchased, and that could screw you up for the tax loss harvesting strategy. So it's really important when you're doing this to coordinate your accounts, even with your spouse if you're married, um, to make sure that you're not buying on accident, whether it's reinvesting dividends or just you know uh, a contribution into your 401k or IRA, and you're just buying those investments that you owned in your IRA, or I'm sorry, that you're in the brokerage account that you're trying to loss harvest. Um, coordinate your accounts. Coordinate everything across your different accounts because that wash sale rule is super, super, uh, it's a sneaky one, okay? Um, all right, well, that's really it for this example. Um, you know, listen, there is a lot of opportunity right now for tax loss harvesting, and I guarantee if you looked at your statement and you looked at some investments uh, that you own, look at your cost basis and look at your unrealized gain or loss, okay? That's going to tell you what investments you can sell uh, at a loss and realize the loss on uh, for tax purposes, okay? So you can go through your statement. You may have a lot of securities in there, hopefully not too many, but you may have a lot of securities. You can kind of go through one by one in your taxable brokerage accounts and see, hey, you know, where can I uh, realize some losses and use this for tax-efficient retirement income going forward? You know, just a quick other example, you know, before we sign off here, I just brought on a new client that has an IRA and a brokerage account. And in a brokerage account, all of the investments are, are in are in fixed income and in taxable bonds. In the IRA, she has a ton of equities and a little slice of fixed income, literally the opposite of what I would do. I would have her IRA be more conservative and have the lion's share of fixed income and have her brokerage account be 100% in equities because she's already taking RMDs. You know, that's taking care of her cash flows for retirement. So the brokerage account is not as necessary and that could be longer term for growth. Well, the nice thing is with bonds having gotten crushed in 2022 down to anywhere from 12 to 15%, she's got a lot, a ton of unrealized losses in her fixed income within that brokerage account. So what we're going to do over the course of the next several weeks is look at those bonds that she owns um, and see if there's an opportunity to sell those at a loss and now reinvest at higher coupon rates. And now we have the, the realized loss on paper for tax purposes. And now we're also getting higher coupon rates in that taxable account and also increase the amount of equity exposure she has in there to increase her tax efficiency that way as well. Um, so tons of opportunity out there. I hope everyone found this helpful. Uh, thank you for tuning into this episode. I hope you learned something uh, valuable and we appreciate all of you. And, and just uh, like I said earlier, make sure to give us a follow and uh, leave us that review if you like what you hear. And um, this is Kevin Lau signing off until next time.